At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. A warmer from the low. Welcome to lovely Las Vegas for the baseball betting show with myself, Greg Peterson. Now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. We do have a tremendous podcast for you. It's in the second segment. We're going to be joined by Rena Wong. She does a great job over at Twins Daily taking a look at the Minnesota Ball Club. And on top of that, we've got ourselves an exciting American League Central Divisional race. So we're going to be talking about that with her. What has all been going right and wrong with the Twins? And on top of that, biggest question with the Minnesota Twins is... Whether or not on a day-in and day-out basis, we're going to see Byron Buxton. So we're going to ask her how she's been gauging that, just how the team has been utilizing him in general. Also going to be bringing up the league's top hitter with regards to batting average as well. So we've got a lot of fun there and turning it forward to what we're going to be seeing in their series against the Rangers. And in the final segment, going to give you guys picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Thursday. As we touch them off first things first, always do love to be able to answer Twitter questions on this podcast. And we got one or two ways to be able to fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at June at underscore 81. Keep in mind, letters EM. They mean does not matter. So as per usual, please just send these into the timeline. Other ways, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated from there. You're able to find whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast. Find that five star review. Really did not wind up getting in any Twitter questions today, but we had a great day of baseball on Wednesday. Let's take a look back at it. Try to find some trends and try to get to know these teams a little bit better. A game from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the rowdy recap. We saw a rarity on Wednesday. A one-run win for the LA Dodgers, 2-1. to one. 
They take down the Colorado Rockies on their 52 wins this season. This was just the fifth one-run game that the LA Dodgers have played this season as Jose Ureña wound up getting the start for the Colorado Rockies and actually looked good. Gave up one run in six and two-thirds innings. I think that this might mean a little bit of a fade spot for him moving forward, but good start there as you did have Jake Bird from there giving out on the bullpen. Alex Colome winds up being able to give you a scoreless setting before Daniel Bard came in. You got no outs, gave up three hits, including the winning hit as for the Dodgers, it was Mookie Betts who wound up being able to deliver that walk-off single and for the LA Dodgers. Very good start out of Mitch White. Gives up one run. That was unearned over the course of five and two-thirds innings. Cody Bellinger had a throwing error, and Cody Bellinger not having a great season in general. Though I will say, he had a stolen base in this one and three hit, so that might be able to get him going a little bit, but from there, Craig Kimbrell, Yancey Almonte, both give you a scroll of saying, and David Price. Four outs out of the bullpen for the Dodgers. You did wind up seeing the Milwaukee Brewers lose a one-run game. Two to one to the Chicago Cubs. Not much more that Corbin Burns could have done in this one. Ten strikeouts, seven scoreless settings was terrific. But then from there, Brad Boxberger gives up a run while getting just one out of the bullpen. Trevor God gives you a pair of outs out of the bullpen. And Josh Fader, who's been relatively shaky recently, he gives up a run in his inning of work as... He now has given up a run in each out of his last two appearances, and I believe that out of his last ten appearances, he's given up he's given up at least one run in four of them. And for the Cubs, you wound up having Adrian Sampson lend a relatively good start. Gave up a solo run over the course of five and two-thirds innings to Kessanira. His eighth home run season from there. You wound up having Chris Martin, Michael Givens, David Robertson. I'll give you a scoreless setting out of the bullpen and Brandon Hughes. And out of the bullpen of his own for the Minnesota Twins. We're going to be talking about them a little bit later with Rena Wong. They wind up losing in extra innings to the Chicago White Sox. This by kind of 9-8 to eight as Minnesota wound up being able to get a nice sizable lead in this one by a count of 3-1 to one and then 5-3 to three and then both teams just would not stop scoring as Lance Lynn gets lit up by the Minnesota Twins. Five runs given up over the course of five innings, including home run going deep for the Minnesota Twins. Ore Palanco is 11th home run season. And then Mr. Palanco would go deep off of Kendall Graveman for his 12th home run season as Graveman gives up a run in an inning. Ronaldo Lopez, a scoreless inning. You wind up having two runs given up in his inning of work out of Matt Foster as Foster along the way. He gives up a home run of his own as going deep to your shell is eighth home run season, but he did wind up having Liam Hendricks and Jose Ruiz both give a scoreless setting and for the Chicago White Sox a trio of home runs for the team. Welcome back Eloy Jimenez. He winds up going deep off of Joe Ryan for his second home run of the season. Emilio Pagan then winds up coming in. He was taken up Pagan by Luis Robert his ninth home run season. Trevor McGill winds up giving up a home run the eighth home run of the season to Andrew Vaughn for McGill. He wound up giving up two runs in his inning of work. Griffin Jacks gives up a run in an inning. Emilio Pagan, two runs given up in his inning of work. He wound up having Joe Ryan give up three runs, two of which were earned in his four innings, and killed Theobar, Yohan Duran, both give you a scoreless inning, but then you wound up having Giovanni Morin come into the 10th inning. He winds up allowing the unearned run that starts on second base. So a little bit of a wild one for the White Sox, who are still sitting at 39-41 and 41 even with that win. And out there in the American League Central, lots of mediocrity right now. It's the Detroit Tigers. They take down the Cleveland Guardians 8-2 as the Guardians are back to 500 after Shane Bieber did not make believers out of us. Too late to say sorry for him. Five runs given up in five and two-thirds innings. Eli Morgan winds up giving you an out of the bullpen. And the newly activated James Karinczak did not look great. Two runs given up in an inning for him and Emmanuel Classe. He winds up blowing a solo run in his inning of work as Cody Clemens was able to get his third home run season. Just the, I believe, now 46th home run season 
for the Detroit Tigers. Might have been home run number 47, but Michael Pineda, he was not Michael Pineda in this one. He winds up giving up two runs over the course of five innings, including a home run to Frame Reyes. For Reyes, he winds up being able to collect his seventh home run campaign, and then from there, the Detroit Tigers, who are currently number three in the big leagues in terms of bullpen ERA, they went to work. Will Vest, Andrew Chafin, Michael Former, Alex Lang, all able to give you a scoreless setting. He wound up having lots of scoreless settings out in Oakland as the Toronto Blue Jays get the job done against Oakland by a count of 2-1 to one as Jose Barrios, who's been struggling this year, gives up just one run in six innings, including a solo home run to Ramon Laureano, sixth home run season. From there, you have Adam Simber be able to give you two scoreless settings and Jordan Romano. He was able to give you a scoreless setting as Matt Chapman and Bo Bichette. Both get their 13th home run of the season for Chapman. He goes deep off of James Caprillian, who wound up giving up just a solo home run over his sixth inning of work. And then Domingo Acevedo gave up the other home run going in and giving up that solo shot of his own. Sam Mall, scoreless setting. And then Austin Pruitt and Kirby Sneed both give you a scoreless setting. And for the Oakland A's, certainly has been a little bit of a rough go of it. For this offense, they have scored three runs or fewer in four out of the first six games this month. And the Toronto Blue Jays, all of a sudden, having a little bit of a tough time scoring. They scored just six runs in that series in Oakland. The Baltimore Orioles get another one-run win. They wind up taking down the Walker, Texas Rangers by a count of 2-1 to one as Glenn Otto, not necessarily a bad start in this one. Two runs, one of which was earned, given up over his five innings. But Spencer Watkins on the other side was better. One run surrendered in six and two-thirds innings. From there, you have CNL Perez and Brian Baker both give you a pair of outside the bullpen for the Baltimore Orioles and Ode Lopez, a scoreless saying to be able to get the job done. And for Texas, just not a lot doing for the team. They wind up getting five hits as you did wind up having Brock Burke give you a scoreless saying out of the bullpen. And Jose Leclerc was able to give you two scoreless as well after these two teams wind up putting up. It was 19 runs in the previous game, so saw a little bit of cooling there. The New York Yankees, after losing to the Pittsburgh Pirates on Tuesday, they would not allow that to be the case on Wednesday as they put up 16 runs in this one, including 6 in the ninth, 16-0. to zero. We're just going to read off the list of home runs here. Josh Allison, his 7th home run season. Kyle Lugashioka is 5th. John Carlos Stanton is 21st. Aaron Hicks is 4th. Joey Gallo is 10th. Aaron Judge is 30th, and I believe that you also wound up having the towel boy go deep as Mitch Keller. He winds up pretty much coming in, and he got a little bit lit up as a starter. Four runs given up over the course of six innings, but Josh Van Meter, position player, gave up two of those bombs in the ninth inning, giving up six runs in his inning of work. Manuel Benuelos, he's back in the big leagues, and he's not looking great. 7.27 is his ERA. Gives up five runs in a third of an inning. Tyler Beatty gives up a run in an inning. Chris Stratton, a pair of outs out of the bullpen without allowing a run. And for the Yankees, Luis Severino was on his game. Six scoreless innings out of him before Albert Abreu, Aroldis Chapman, and Wandy Peralta all wind up giving you a scoreless inning. Speaking of the AL East, you wind up having the Rays go on the road. They take down the Boston Red Sox by a count of 7-1 to one as it was Brian Bello making his MLB debut and Hello, Brian. He wound up getting graded to giving up four runs over the course of four innings. Jake Diekman and Austin Davis both give you a scoreless saying, but Ida Kazusada gives up two runs over the course of an inning, and Tyler Danish polishes off the final two innings, giving up a run. And for Tampa Bay, you had Corey Kluber lend a really good start. Six scoreless sayings, Sean Armstrong does wind up giving up a run and an inning out of the bullpen, but Kelvin Fotcher, along with Matt Weisler, both able to give you a scoreless setting as the race. They wind up going four of 11. With men in scoring position, the San Francisco Giants were down by a count of 4-0 to early, but they claw their way back. They wind up being able to get a win by a count of 7-5 to as they were looking to avoid a 7-game losing streak 
and they did so. Darren Ruff was able to ensure this. He goes deep off of Joe Manette Tipley for his seventh home run season as for Arizona. Merrill Kelly lent a solid start. Two runs given up over the course of six and a third innings, but this Arizona bullpen is not great, and that showed through here. Manette Tipley gives up that home run. Three runs in total over the course of his inning of work. Sean Poppin, his ERA is a popping upward. He gave up two runs over the course of his inning, and Kyle Nelson, pair of outside the bullpen. The Diamondbacks do go 4 of 8 with men in scoring position, but the Giants pretty much bent but didn't break. Alex Cobb gives up four runs over the course of six innings from there. Jarlin Garcia and Mauricio Lovero goodbye for a scoreless saying. John Brebbia gives you a scoreless saying. Camille Hudeval throws 37 pitches in the ninth inning and only gets two outs while giving up a run, but Sammy Long able to come in and is able to get the save. The Kansas City Royals as upwards of a plus 240 underdog. They wound up being the biggest underdog cash on Wednesday. They take down the Houston Astros by a count of 7 to 4 as they got all up in the life of one Christian Avier early in this one. Avier winds up giving up three home runs, five runs in total over the course of five innings. Going deep for the Kansas City Royals with Merrifield, fourth home run season under Dozier, his ninth, and Emmanuel Rivera, his sixth. From there, a Astros bullpen that day and the New York Yankees are the top out there in the big leagues in terms of ERA. Well, it's pretty solid. Hector Neris gives up two runs over the course of his inning, but Ryan Stanek and Brian Abadeu, they combined for three scoreless innings, and Elamendi Ziaz was able to get a home run, his fifth of the season off for Brad Keller. And for Keller, he does wind up giving up four runs over the course of five and two-thirds innings, and a Royals bullpen that has been the worst out there in the American leagues in terms of ERA. They actually did a solid job. Scott Barlow, Taylor Clark, Dylan Coleman all give you a scoreless inning, and Jose Cuas was able to give you an out of the bullpen as well. The Washington Nationals has a relatively sizable underdog. They take down the Philadelphia Phillies by a count of 3-2 and two as Josiah Gray. Good start here. He does wind up giving up two solo runs over the course of his six innings, but punched out 11 along the way for Kyle Schwarber. He goes deep twice in this one. 26th and 27th home runs of the season. He now leads the National League in terms of home runs, but the Nationals bullpen, they did their part. Tanner Rainey, Kyle Finnegan, Carl Edwards Jr. I'll give you a scroll of setting him for the Washington Nationals. They wind up going just 2 of 8 with Ben in scoring position as Aaron Supernola. Not necessarily so super in this one. Three runs given up over the course of seven to two-thirds innings. Jose Alvarado gives you an out of the bullpen from there. And Corey Knable, a scoreless inning. But for the Philadelphia Phillies, they literally did not wind up having an at-bat with men in scoring position. So good on Josiah Gray for being able to get that one to the window. DK Nation pick gets to the window as well. The Atlanta Braves wind up taking down the St. Louis Cardinals by a count of 3-0. to zero. I wound up having the under in this one, and the Cardinals, they just did not wind up threatening in this game. 0-5 with men in scoring position as Miles Michaelis does wind up giving up a pair of home runs over the course of his six innings of work, giving up three runs in total as Eddie Rosario, welcome back to him, his first home run of the season, and Marcel Ozuna, his 17th, Max Fried. He wound up being terrific. Six scoreless settings out of him and the Braves. They've now won each out of his last nine starts. He has been really lighting it up. Darren O'Day, Jesse Chavez, A.J. Minter from there. I'll give you a scoreless setting for the St. Louis Cardinals. Zach Thompson and Giovanni Gallegos both come in and lend scoreless settings. Or anyone who wound up having the Mets run line, this is not looking great until extras where they wound up coming through. They were, as a matter of fact, down by a run in the ninth inning. They were able to play that one thanks to a Sterling Marte double. And then in the 10th inning, they open up the floodgates. If you wound up having the under in this one, thoughts and prayers to you. 8-3, to three, the finalists. The Mets, after it wound up being 3-3 to three after 9 innings, they put up a 5 spot in the 10th inning. And this was highlighted by Brandon Nimmo being able to get a 3-run homer. His 7th of the season off of Dottie Barretta, who currently headlines a Reds bullpen that is by far the worst out there in the big leagues in terms of ERA and Graham Ashcraft was dodging bullets all night long. Gave up 10 hits in 6 innings, but just 2 runs. 
Joel Kuno, Revier, Sam Martin. They combined to be able to give you two scoreless innings, and then Hunter Strickland gives up a run in his inning of work, but Moretta just led this thing on fire, giving up five runs, four of which were earned in that 10th inning, and for the Reds, they go one of 10 with men in scoring position with Nick Senzel going deep off of David Peterson. Great name, and not a great result for him in this one, as that was his third home run of the season for Peterson. Gives up three runs in three and two-thirds innings, but how about this Mets bullpen? Six and a third inning scoreless. They gave up one in along the way. That by Adonis Medino came in for three scoreless innings, giving up a hit, and then you wind up having Adam Adovino, Edwin Diaz both give you a scoreless inning, and Colin Holderman was able to give you four outs of the bullpen as well. Shoy Otani was showtime for the Angels. Five to two. LA winds up being able to go to Miami and get the win for Shoy Otani. One unearned run surrendered over the course of seven innings, punching out ten from there. You wind up having Ryan Tapera give you a scoreless inning. Rossi Iglesias gives up a run in his inning of work, but for the Angels, they did a nice job getting into Trevor Rogers, whose bad season continues. Gives up three runs over the course of four and two-thirds innings. His ERA at home, still right in the neighborhood, about eight Zach Pop. He winds up giving you four outs out of the bullpen. Richard Blyer, a scoreless inning, but Tommy Nance, two runs surrendered in his two innings of work, and for the Miami Marlins, 0 of 7 with men in scoring position. So that was relatively brutal for them. And what has been relatively brutal this season has been a lot of these shorter underdogs. So it's been a case in which we've been seeing a lot of these bigger underdogs like the Kansas City Royals being able to come through. And if you take a look at the season to date, underdogs are down a little bit from what we would typically expect. But they've been making a little bit more of a surge over the last 30 days as favorites in this time span of the last 30 days. They're hitting at a rate of 58.2%. 238 and 171 straight up and from favorites it's been an almighty slug they're 155 and 151 straight up over the last seven days but we have seen a case in which 49 of these home favorites have won by approximately one run did not cover the run line over the last three days as well 199 unders to 189 overs that is a 51.3 percent clip to the under and what we're seeing as well overall for the season, unders still doing relatively okay. 597 unders to 560 overs. That is a clip of 51.6%. And for home favorites, I mentioned it over the last three days. If you take a look overall for the season, there have been 145 instances in which a home favorite has won by approximately one run. 457 and 323 straight up are these home favorites and overall favorites hitting at a 59.3% rate for the season, 722 and 496 straight up. So that's what we're seeing in Major League Baseball right now, and that's what we wound up seeing on Wednesday. Coming up next, we're going to be talking to Rena Wong, does a great job over there at Twins Daily, all about what we're seeing with the Minnesota Twins, how they're utilizing Byron Buxton, and take a look at the AL Central picture as well. That is up next right here on the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Blake Peterson, now a part of the Decent Family Podcast. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. 
Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run. Every hit. Every inning. Every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport. Whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at bet 365 21 plus only must be present in ohio if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help call 1-800-GAMBLER terms and conditions apply from bbc radio 4 britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip i thought in that moment oh my god we've summoned something from this board this is uncanny usa He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. 
Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. We're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of the Beast and Family Podcast. And great to be joined by our guests as Rena Wong does an absolutely terrific job covering the game of baseball over at Twins Daily. She is out there in the great state of Minnesota taking a look at all that we're getting with both the Twins and what has been a very exciting AL Central race thus far. And to be able to follow her on Twitter, that's at Rena Benina altogether. Rena, great to have you aboard. Thank you. It's great to be here. The Minnesota Twins having themselves a relatively solid season. On Wednesday, it was a little bit of a difficult one, to say the least, as both starting pitchers, quite frankly, did not wind up delivering a great start. And I think that that's going to be interesting to take a look at moving forward with the Minnesota Twins because I take a look at Joe Ryan. He's become one of their stud guys, didn't wind up having a great start on Wednesday, but by and large, I've liked what I've seen out of him. But I think the big question becomes, where else are they going to be looking to for innings? Because Stephen Smeltzer seems to have regressed a little bit, giving up some hard contact. And then when it comes to Dylan Bundy, I feel like it's just a big question mark as to what you're going to be able to get out of him night in and night out. And even with Chris Archer, he's been able to deliver solid starts, but we know that he's only going to be able to deliver four and five innings. So I think the big question is, who's going to be able to step up with Joe Ryan and be that guy that consistently can go out there and give this team six plus innings on any given night? Yep, absolutely. And the Twins do have some help on the way. Um, So Bailey Ober was one of the guys who really stepped up last season when they had their monumental meltdown with Schumacher, Happ, and Homer Bailey all not working out collectively. Ober will be coming back from the IL relatively soon. And one of the Twins' dark horses this season has been Josh Winder, who was a representative in the All-Stars Futures game last year, but he quickly got called up this season when they needed some starting pitching help and he has been absolutely marvelous and so with archer going on the il as for mentioned 
we'll really miss even those four or five innings from him. So it'll be really interesting how the Twins utilize some of their young starters moving forward. Yep, I do think that that's a good point that you wind up mentioning as Winder has been able to get a couple starts for the team, and I've liked what I've seen out of him thus far. So he's going to be a big key moving forward. And then also a key is that the Minnesota Twins, as we know, they've been dealing with a couple of injury issues as well. I think that there are some that remember Jorge Alcala was relatively solid out of the bullpen for the team last season. He's been out darn near the entirety of the season this year. Ever since Emilio Pagano coming out the Angeles, I think that you're in agreement with me on this one. Has not necessarily been too terrific there, but they do have a couple guys that are capable of giving them multiple innings like Yuan Duran, Griffin Jacks, but with these guys, typically they wind up having a piggyback off of Chris Archer. I've heard he winds up lending four and five innings and just being able to reserve at the very minimum one of those guys for a day in which Archer is not starting, be able to give this team a few innings. I think that they're going to be key because I like Duran, I like Griffin Jacks, but at the same time, typically they wind up getting used up during Chris Archer's starts. Yes, absolutely. And you brought up a very sore subject with Emilio Pagan, who's been less helpful, we'll put it that way, of late. I think his ERA since the end of last season has ballooned up to over seven at this point. The Twins need bullpen help. And like you mentioned, they need long relief help. Um, They've got a couple guys there who can. But if Jax is pitched on back-to-back days, we don't have his availability. And frankly, the Twins cannot trust their other relievers to necessarily carry them through at this point. And for Emilio Pagan, it's team number three in which he's been on and he's blown some saves and it's cost to be a little bit of money. Yes, he did that with the Rays. He did that with the Padres and he is saying tried and true with the Minnesota Twins. It has been one of the sore spots for me this season as well. So we are in joint agreement there as we do have Rena Wong joining me on the podcast. Does an absolutely tremendous job over there at Twins Daily. And when it comes to this Minnesota Twins team, it's been a little bit of an up and down season for them, no question. But I feel like you're able to say that about all these AL Central teams the ups and the downs are varying with some of these teams like for the Kansas City Royals it's just been mostly down and for the Detroit Tigers as well but I take a look at sort of the three team race that we've got right now the Cleveland Guardians hovering right around 500 the Chicago White Sox are still a few games below and the Minnesota Twins right now they're finding themselves the leaders in the clubhouse right now and I think that it sets up for a really interesting race because with the Twins and the Chicago White Sox both of these teams they've been very up and down with regards to their pitching for the White Sox really the lone guy you can trust them for them is still in cease with Michael Kopech starting to regress. And I think the big key in this entire division is who's going to be able to step up and maybe get one of those arms or in the case of the Cleveland Guardians of bats, because I would say out of these three teams, they've got the best pitching, but they've got by far the worst offense as well. Yes, absolutely. I think I was looking at home run stats today and the Guardians rank near last in home runs. And, and it's at home that they can't ball. get home runs either. It's interesting exactly. because on the road, it's relatively bad, but at home, it's even worse. Yep, absolutely. And speaking of home splits, I mean, the White Sox home split has been very bad, which is very unlike them, um, only going 17 and 23 at home. And similarly, in the same boat as the Guardians, their offense just hasn't picked it up. I believe their home run numbers are fairly similar to the Guardians. But like you mentioned, if either of these teams pick it up in one way or the other, that could make for a very interesting race in the Central. In the National League, at least, we've got a couple teams with more games back than the Guardians and the White Sox that we haven't deemed over for the division. So I would not say the AL Central race is over either. 
Yep, I am in agreement with you there. And when it comes to that American League wildcard as well, if the season were to end today, right now you might be staring at four of the five teams from the American League East wind up making the postseason as well. And you've got to figure with these teams having to play each other just so many different times, that could wind up opening up a little bit of something, especially with everyone not named the Houston Astros out there in the American League West really having a little bit of a scuffle as well. And taking a look forward to the weekend with the Minnesota Twins, they're going to have a battle against a team that has been sort of up and down in terms of that American League West I wound up alluding to in the Texas Rangers. And I alluded to the Minnesota Twins pitching. And when he's fully on and he's fully healthy, Sonny Gray, I would say, is probably the top pitcher for this team. He is going to be getting the start on Friday. And what have you really noticed out of him? Because whenever he's out there, he's been tremendous. But the injury woes over the last few seasons, not just with him in Minnesota, but goes back to his time while he's with Cincinnati, have always been a little bit nagging. But I've liked what I've seen out of him recently at a little bit of a tough start against the Baltimore Orioles, but with Sonny Gray, I think it's very key that he winds up landing a good start against a guy, Martin Perez, who is by far the ace of the Texas Rangers. Yes, absolutely. And of course, it's fitting that Martin Perez has really come into his own, what, three years after he's left the Twins. But (laughs) um, numbers-wise, I mean, this is one of Sonny Gray's best seasons yet across the board. I mean, his whip is looking marvelous. And even though he's 32 years old, things are just looking better and better. And interestingly with him, he's one of the few guys who can actually eat innings. We can depend on him to go six or seven, maybe even eight, even though the one time he did go eight, I believe he got injured immediately after the game. So maybe we won't do that. (laughs) But I'm really hoping that the twins can lock him down for a couple more seasons to come. And Especially with Joe Ryan not looking the same after his COVID IL stint, Sonny Gray has been that guy for the Twins. Yep, and speaking of teams that are not necessarily happy about Martin Perez, you mentioned that he didn't do the world's greatest job with the Twins. Have no fear, because the Boston Red Sox, I'm sure they feel your pain as well, as it's been a career renaissance from a 234 ERA, and he was averaging between 2018 and 2020. walks per game. That sounded right around 2.2 to 2.3 this year. So I can give a little bit of credit where credit is due. He has been tremendous this season. And for the Minnesota Twins, I think a big question mark with both this game and the series in general is just the health of Byron Buxton. Because something that I noticed with just taking a look at the lineup day in and day out for the Minnesota Twins is that they've just sort of designated some days off for him. Typically, it's in the back half of a lot of series. What have you really noticed with regards to his usage? Because that is just so big for this Minnesota Twins team. Because Buxton, whenever he's out there, he has just been hammering the ball. He's getting a home run every about 11 or so at-bats, but you just don't know what days that he's actually going to be out there or not, which I think makes it a little bit maddening to just take a look at this Minnesota Twins team. Yes, while I appreciate that the team is treating him with, we'll call it kid gloves, Yes, it is a little bit infuriating when the Twins are in a tight spot and they don't call out Byron Buxton to pinch hit or pinch run for that matter. And we have noticed, though, positively across the board that he isn't slamming into the wall or the ground nearly as often as he used to. And even though he's played far less games and had far fewer at-bats than I'd say the majority of the lineup, he is still second in war among all twins. And so he is producing and keeping him off the field a little bit more is good for the most part, but you can't help but wonder if the leash was a little bit shorter, what he would be able to do. And I've noticed that he's had a hard time getting into a rhythm, um, whether it's hits or home runs, because he doesn't play every day. And perhaps psychologically, that's leading to, you know, just sparks of inspiration or really hot moments for him. So that's been challenging to watch as a fan. 
Yeah, it certainly has been fascinating to take a look at Byron Buxton because the way that I gauge Minnesota Twins with him in the lineup versus out of the lineup, it does change so much because he has been by far the best power hitter for the team. Max Kepler has been able to do an okay job of being able to get on base this season, but hasn't been necessarily the power hitter that we wound up seeing a few years ago as well. So that's a big key to take a look at. As joining me on the podcast, we do have Rena Wong. Does a great job over there at Twins Daily. And what else I noticed with regards to the Minnesota Twins as well is that the team has been able to get on base. And I think that you're in agreement with me on this one. The leader of this, Luis Arias, as of right now, entering into what we're going to be seeing in the upcoming series with the Rangers, hitting a 354 with a 425 on base. He's not a guy that's going to go out there and hit a bunch of tank shot home runs or anything like that, so he doesn't get a lot of headlines. But I feel like he's one of the most underrated players in the big leagues right now. We value these guys that they wind up hitting those like 450-foot home runs and everything like that. But I think that it's so refreshing to see a guy like Arias who just consistently gets on base doesn't strike out a lot, always gives a professional at bat. I'm not sure what you've seen out of him this season and just what your overall takeaways are, but I feel like he is one of the best weapons out there in any sort of divisional race in general because this is someone that at the top of the fold, he does such a good job of being able to turn those solo shots into two-run shots, and that could be the difference in a game. Yes, absolutely. Ryan, Ryan Jeffers, Luis Arise, rather, has been probably the best leadoff hitter the Twins have had in at least a decade at this point. I'm surprised he doesn't have, you know, like an 85 game hitting streak at this point, because it feels like Luis Arise is always on base, whether that's walks, whether it's getting hits. He finds a way to get there. You don't really see, you know, 0 for 5, 0 for 4 nights from him very often, if at all. And another really interesting thing is, I mean, he is the only person on this team, other than Kyle Garlick, who doesn't even play every single day, with strikeouts under 30. So he's got 25 right now in the season. And keep in mind, Miguel Sano, who's been on the 60-day IL for months, had 21 before he went on the IL. So not only is he hitting out of his mind, the guy just doesn't strike out, and that's just unseen in the game today. Yep, and it's been quite a while for Miguel Sano being out of the fold, and it's something that the Twins have been dealing with quite a bit this season, just a lot of guys being hurt. I mentioned it in terms of starting pitching, and you pointed it out a little bit earlier with Bailey Ober, but when are some of these guys going to be set to return as well for the Minnesota Twins? Because and you mentioned it with Miguel Sano, someone that he certainly is not going to hit for a lot of average, but has been able to give the team quite a bit of boom last season, was able to give the team 30 home runs. So I do think that that's going to be important for this team moving forward. And I know that they've been dealing with a couple of just straight injuries in general in terms of that lineup as well. Yep, absolutely. Um, Losing Royce Lewis for the season was very detrimental. Underrated Um, prospect, by the way. He was great when he was out there. Yes, absolutely. Just so fun to watch. Um, With his injury history, I know that he's been ranked a little bit lower on the top prospect list, but he was as advertised when he was in the majors. Similarly, Trevor Larnack has been an unrated prospect for the Twins. I know he wasn't toted as high either, but he's been hitting for a lot of power. He's been getting on base. Um, so those are probably the two biggest um, players who ended up on the aisle that really, really hurt the Twins. But it'll be interesting to see what happens when Miguel Sano comes back, because at this point, I don't really know where to put him. You've got Alex Kirilov, who has been an incredible prospect. And ever since he came back from the IL, he has just been hitting out of his mind. And then you've also got Luis Arise alternating at first base. So 
I'm not really sure where Miguel Sano fits with the lineup. It's a good problem to have because obviously you also have the DH that you can wind up designating for Miguel Sano as well. But obviously it's relatively crowded in terms of a lot of guys for the Swin team that sitting a little bit above 250 as a collective to be able to fit them in. And Rena, I know that you're going to be taking a look at the Twins and you're going to take a look at what is going to be, in my opinion, a great race out there in the AL Central moving forward. You've got three different teams in the Guardians, along with the White Sox and the Minnesota Twins, that they're all very different. And obviously, when it comes down to it, I think that it's going to be tough to be able to knock off the Yankees and the Houston Astros out there in the American League. But I think whoever winds up coming out of the AL Central, they present just a different task of their own. So that's going to be fun to take a look at. And I know you're someone that loves the game of baseball, does a great job holding it down in the great state of Minnesota. So let the good people at home know what's on tap for you and how people can follow along on social media and other platforms. Yep, absolutely. You can follow along with my work on Twitter at Rena Benina, R-E-N-A-B-A-N-E-N-A. And check out my work at Twins Daily. I have articles that come out roughly every couple of weeks and you can see and catch up all of my published work over at Twitter. And Rena doing a great job of taking a look at both the Minnesota Twins and just the game of baseball. She's joined me a few times on this podcast, and every time she does, she always delivers great insight. So a big thanks to Rena for joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the VEASAN family of podcasts. And coming up next, it is that time of podcast to give you a piece of analysis on every game on the MLB betting board for this Thursday as we touch them all. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. Like that, see that. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from 
crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what so. I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he ain't need it? <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Getting ready to take on spring? 
Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he ain't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. We're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. Great to get Rena Wong on the podcast today. She does a great job over there at Twins Daily. Going to be a very exciting race out there in the American League Central. And it's been just very strange to look at that division in general. The White Sox certainly been underachieving. They were able to get the job done yesterday. But that is going to be a fun division race to be able to take a look at. And there's been quite a bit of money taking a look at the Twins on a day-in and day-out basis with other pitchers being very up and down as well. So, big thanks, sir, for joining me in the last segment. Now it is that time of the podcast. They give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Thursday as we touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Do note that as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at GNNRNSCORE81. We are going to be going in Las Vegas rotation order. This is where we wind up going with the National League games first, then the American League games, and then any interleague games. Those are going to be at the bottom. That'll keep things all nice, neat, clean, and easy. Only exception is we've got a double dip on the top, and we're just going to do both of those games all together. So we are going to be beginning with that doubleheader of 901-902 along with 905-906. This is the Pittsburgh Pirates on the road facing off against the Cincinnati Reds. Yes, we are on to Cincinnati in game number one. They're on to Mike Miner, hopefully not being a major disappointment for them. And Ronsi Contreras is going to be going for the Pittsburgh Pirates in game two. It is going to be Bryce Wilson of the Pittsburgh Pirates versus good old to be determined for the Cincinnati Reds. We have no earthly idea who is going for the Cincinnati Reds in game two. So we're going to start with Contreras versus Miner here. And in the case of Ronsi Contreras against Mike Miner, I did wind up saying the Pittsburgh Pirates as a minus 122 favorite. And this is a spot in which I wound up setting the total to where a 9.5 or less. I would be taking a look at an over and a 10 or higher. I would be taking a look at an under. I've actually been quite impressed by Ronsi Contreras. I do think that the regression monster might be coming after him just a little bit. But take a look at him overall for the season. Young 22-year-old who's been able to give you right around a 4-ish ERA. The home runs are a little bit of an issue. Giving up 1.6 home runs. 
per nine innings. Walks per nine rate is right around four, but he's able to get nine strikeouts per nine innings. Very good stuff. And even though he's given up the eight home runs, he hasn't given up as many as Mike Miner. He's literally giving up more than three home runs per nine innings. You want no part of Mike Miner whatsoever at this point. 620 home area, 794 road area. He had one okay year with the Rangers in the first half of the season where he was an all-star. And then he went straight down the toilet bowl from there. He's not getting too many swings and misses this year. Opponents are getting a 291 off of him. And he's backed up by the worst bullpen out there in the major leagues. It is just not good whatsoever with his Reds bullpen as Alexis Diaz is now currently on the injured list. And he had the best ERA of darn near any one of their relievers. That's a little bit of an issue. Ian Gabo is someone that they picked up off the scrap heap. He's got a career 5 ERA and he's supposed to, in air quotes here, improve this bullpen. Jody Moretta, Hunter Strickland, Revier St. Martin, Joel Kunal, all these guys are not good. And for the Pittsburgh Friars, I'm not going to go out here and say that this is like some sort of an amazing bullpen or anything like that. But David Bedard has been able to give you some good innings along Tyler Beattie. And Tyler Beattie has a long guy. Right around a 3-ish ERA, Will Crow has been able to give you good innings along Chase Young. Both of these guys are able to give you multiple innings. So I do think that the Pittsburgh Pirates a little bit more set up for a doubleheader. And for the Pittsburgh Pirates, it's a lineup that has been a little bit up and down. But you've got a trio of guys, Michael Perez along Jack Swiznitsky. And then you're able to throw in there Brian Reynolds, who all have had a three-home run game ever since Father's Day. So that's absolutely incredible. Reynolds along with Cabrian Ace. Throwing their Ben Gamma, all these guys are in between about a 250 to 265. Now, Swiznitsky, who I mentioned a little bit earlier, coupled with Onyo Cruz, Josh Van Meter, Yoshi Satsugo, all these guys in a 225 or lower. And really, Swiznitsky, the only guy hitting above a 210 out of that crop of guys. But do take a look at the Reds. They haven't been able to put back to ball at home thus far this season. Had a little bit of a rough go of it in that series against the Mets, but. You do have Brendan Drury, who's been able to give you 17 home runs, hanging right around 270 for this punch. Jonathan India is back for the scene, but has had a really a struggle this year. You do still have, though, Kyle Farmer, who's been able to hit about a 275. You've had Joey Votto in and out of the fold recently, but he's got 340 on base ever since coming off the COVID aisle. And then Donovan Solano, coupled with Matt Reynolds, Nick Senzel, Alberto Moro Jr., these guys in between about a 240 to 255. These guys have been relatively solid, so I do think that you're going to get a high-scoring game in Game 1 between Contreras and Miner, but did wind up saying Contreras as a minus 122 favorite, 9.5 for less looking over 10 or higher to the under, and then I was seeing before Tyler Molly was supposed to be getting a start for the Cincinnati Reds. As of right now, it is good old to be determined. We do know that we're going to be getting Bryce Wilson, who's going to be going for the Pirates. And if it would be Tyler Molly, the Reds would be a FD minus 165 favorite. I'm just not going to dive too much into Tyler Molly just because we don't know if we're going to be getting him or not. But I mean, even a bullpen game, I'd be willing to set the Reds as a slight favorite here. It would probably be a decrease from that minus 165 of. I would think probably 40 to 45 cents. If you wind up trotting out there, someone of worth maybe a little bit more. If Revier said Martin comes out there, I might actually set the Reds as an underdog as the start of this year. He's got a 12 ERA, so there's no trust to get Revier said Martin. So that illustrates just how volatile this could be. But you do take a look at Bryce Wilson this year, and it's not good for him. 749 ERA. It's actually been a little bit better on the road with a 686 road ERA, but he's getting right around 7.5 strikeouts per 9 innings. That's better than he had done in past years. Past years, more around 5 punch outs per 9 innings, but the walks per 9 rate hovering right in that neighborhood, about a 3.7-ish. 
He is backed up, though, by a bunch of guys that are able to go a little bit longer, which is really the saving grace for him. But if you do wind up getting something like a Tyler Molly against a Bryce Wilson, I would be saying the Reds has a sizable favorite. And in Molly versus Wilson, 9 or less, I'd be looking at an over and a 9.5 or higher. I'd be taking a look at an under. If this is a bullpen game, this could be a situation. If especially it's Revere Sam Martin, that I'd be willing to set a total of a 10 where I'd be looking at an over. So, lots of volatility with that one. We just see to know who's going to be going for the Reds in Game 2. If it's Tyler Molly, looking pretty good for the Reds. If it's a bullpen game, slight favorite. If it's Revier Sam Martin, you probably don't want any part of Revier Sam Martin. 903-904 on the betting board. Speaking of guys who you don't want any part of, Washington Nationals in the red faceoff against the Philadelphia Phillies. You've got Bailey Fulter who's going to be going for the Philadelphia Phillies. And insert cheering minions here. Yohan Adon is getting the start for the Washington Nationals. The least profitable pitcher in the big leagues in Yohan Adon. As if you have bet the Nationals on the money line in all 13 of Yohan Adon's starts for $100. Congratulations on being down a little bit over $1,100. In the 13 starts that Yohan Adon has made, the Washington Nationals are 1-12. Having lost 11 of those starts by 2 plus runs. 10 of them by 3 plus. This is a game that is currently not on the board, so we don't have a number as I'm recording this, but I'm willing to lay up to about a minus 135 to a minus 140 on the Phillies run line. I made them a minus 238 money line favorite. Keep in mind, this is with Bailey Falter on the mound. A 10 or less, I'm looking at an over, a 10 and a half or higher to the under. I just laid it out with Yohan Adon. There is just no trusting in this guy whatsoever and the numbers themselves. He's got north of a 6 ERA thus far this season. He just winds up throwing the ball over the plate and it winds up just becoming hickory because it winds up getting smoked every single time. Has actually not done the world's worst job of giving up homers. Right around 1.3 home runs per 9 innings, but... I mean, man, opponents are getting a 286 off of him. He's got no command whatsoever, over five walks per nine innings. I mean, I literally don't think that he knows where the ball is going to go after he throws it. Meanwhile, with Bailey Falter, not saying that this guy is going to be the next Cy Young Award winner or anything like that, but you know what? Competent pitcher. He has given up three earned runs or fewer in every one of his appearances thus far this season. There was a start at which he wanted giving up a few unearned runs. He was a little bit of a victim of that. And he has given up the deep ball a little bit, six home runs over the course of 24 innings. But the good news is he's going up against the Washington Nationals team that they're dead last in the National League in terms of home runs on a per-game basis. And they are currently dealing with a little bit of an injury to Juan Soto. Soto able to go back into the fold yesterday for the team. But, I mean, it's been a very disappointing year for him. I recognize that he's got north of a 375 on base with 15 home runs, but he's hitting just a 226. You expected more out of him. You do have guys that are able to get on base for this team. Cesar Hernandez, Riquipa Ruiz, Yadiel Hernandez, Mikel Franco, all these guys in between about a 250 to a 265. You just have not been able to get a lot of power out of someone like Nelson Cruz. So, Luis Garcia has been able to do a solid job of being able to get on base, but the bottom of the fold, not necessarily looking so good. And for the Philadelphia Phillies, he got some balance with his team. JT Rimito, Reese Hoskins, along with Nick Cassianos, Yohan Camagro, whenever he's been out there, Didi Gregorius. These guys range between about a 245 to a 255. And for Hoskins, hitting well above a 300 over the last 30 days with right around 7 to 8 home runs in that time span. He has been terrific. Guys, Schwarber's saying a 220 for the year, but more on a 335 on base. 
north of 20 home runs. And the Phillies' bullpen has been able to come along a little bit as well. Craig Knable in that seventh inning has been very solid. Sir Anthony Dominguez has been able to give you a sub-2 ERA. Brad Hand has been able to give you some good innings, so I feel good about them. Meanwhile, for the Washington Nationals, veterans like Steve Ciszek, Kyle Finnegan, and you've got four-plus ERAs, and then you're able to throw in there some like a Carl Edwards Jr. has been one of your more trustworthy guys, and he saw his north of a 3-5 ERA. Reed Garrett is giving up a bunch of runs north of an ADRA. You really don't have too many trustworthy guys. And, well, you've got Yohan Adon on the mound, and he has a human white flag at this point. So, wind up saying the Phillies on the money line at minus 238. I'm willing to lay up to about a minus 140 on the run line. And 10 or less looking over 10 and a half prior to the under. 905-906 was a part of that Pirates versus Reds double dip. So, we go 907-908 on the betting board. It is the Miami Marlins, and they are going to be in the road. They're going to be facing off against the New York Metropolitans. As you've got Trevor Williams, who's going to be on the bump for the Mets, and Dan Castano is on the bump for Miami. Miami is finding themselves plus 155 underdogs, minus 180 is your price on the Mets. It is your total over is minus 115, and the under is minus 105. Right now, the only place I'm seeing a line on this game is DraftKings for this Marlins versus Mets matchup, probably because you've got a little bit of question mark in terms of the starters, but assuming that we do wind up getting Williams versus Dan Castano, I'd be willing to take a plus price here with the Marlins. Plus 155 or greater, I am in on them. Dan Castano, he's been able to make a few relief appearances, a few starts, and hasn't been bad, giving up right around one home run per nine innings, three walks per nine. Now he does need to get a few more swings and misses. Has never been good for that, both this year and throughout his career. Throughout his career, when he gets right around five punch outs per nine innings, this far this season, he's right on par for that, right around about 4.8 straight cuts per nine innings, but keeps things out in front of him. In his two road starts this far this year, 11 and two-thirds innings, has given up three runs, one of which was earned, so does a nice job of just really not beating himself. And for Trevor Williams, sometimes he winds up beating himself. The Mets have been able to do a great job of being able to mix and match with their pitching all season long, but the one guy that has not been able to dial it in, that'd be Trevor Williams, who is thus far this year at a 374 home ERA to a 488 ERA on the road. Now, to his detriment, I guess you'd call it, he's just been throwing a little bit all over the place. So, I mean, that has not helped him out, the fact that he winds up going from starter to reliever to starter to reliever, but he's giving up right around 1.7 home runs. For nine innings, and he's backed up by Mets bullpen that has been below league average over the last three days in terms of ERA, which has not been helping about Edwin Diaz. Very good out there in the ninth inning, and you've been able to get good innings out of Drew Smith, but you take a look at someone like a Jolie Rodriguez posting up north of five ERA. It's not been great. I do like what I've seen out of Adam Adovino recently, and Adonis Medina is a long guy that could wind up getting a little bit out of down the stretch. 216 ERA over the last three days out of him, and someone that could be used for multiple innings. Seth Lugo has had a little bit of an up-and-down season himself, and for the Marlins, this has been a bottom 10 team in terms of bullpen ERA all season long. That is not been helping them out whatsoever. Anthony Bass has actually been very good in this bullpen. He's got a buck 60 ERA, but you do take a look at someone like a Tanner Scott north of a four ERA. Dylan Flora rocking right around a five ERA. Tommy Nance, Richard Blyer, both of these guys have north of a 550 ERA as well. And for the Miami Marlins, they have to deal with a couple of injuries of their own as Ode Solaire has currently found himself on the injured list. Jacob Sellings has just not been able to give you anything whatsoever. And on top of Sellings, you've also got out there Asu Sanchez. You just expect a little bit more than a 220 batting average out of him, but reinforcements have come in for this team. Brett Anderson, John Birdie, these guys are in between about a 265 to a 275. You've got Joey Wendell along Garrett Cooper, both hitting in that neighborhood about a 300. And then you've been able to have Asus Aguiar. Be able to give you right around 250 batting average. He's been able to give this team a little bit of pop for the Miami 
Marlins are going to have to go up against a Mets team that has Pete Alonso. He's been one of the best home run hitters out there in the National League, north of 20 home runs for him. And a lot of guys that just get on base for the team as Alonso, you're able to throw in there. Sterling Marte, Brandon Nimmo, Mark Canna, all these guys in between about a 270 to a 285. And then on top of that, Francisco Lindor only about a 245, but north of 50 RBI thus far this season. Luis Colorme is able to about a 285 as well. So you do have quite a few guys who are able to get on, but at a plus 155 or greater, I'm going to be willing to take shot here on the Miami Marlins. I think that this 8 it is too low of a total. I personally want him saying my total at an 8.7 with the way that Williams has been playing. So on these numbers, looking over and looking fish. 909-910 on the betting board. you got the St. Louis Cardinals. They're going to be on the road. They're going to be facing off against the Atlanta Braves. Spencer Strider is going to be going for the Bravos. And Matthew Libertor is on the bump for St. Louis. St. Louis is finding themselves as a rather hefty underdog in this spot. You're going to be getting them anywhere between plus 165 and plus 180. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at Atlanta, you're going to be finding them in between minus 190 and minus 210. Nine is your total. The over is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. The under is anywhere between even and minus 105. Anything of a plus 175 or greater, I was willing to take a shot here on the St. Louis Cardinals. Matthew Libertor, I felt like needed a little bit more time at the minors to be able to develop, but Spencer Strider, he's still trying to find his stride as a starter. Now, I will say, his last few starts, absolutely magnificent. Sunday night baseball against the LA Dodgers, six scoreless things. Follows that up with 11 punch outs with one run surrendered on one hit against the Cincinnati Reds. But as a starter, he does have an ERA that is more than a full point higher than he did wind up having rather than when he was coming out of the bullpen. So that is a little bit of an issue that I think needs to be addressed with this. Now, for Spencer Strider, his swing and miss stuff is absolutely amazing as he has been able to get right around 12 strikeouts per nine innings. But the thing with him is the walks are a little bit concerning as well. Right around about 3.7 to 3.8 walks per nine innings in the last two starts. It has been better, but you do take a look at Matthew Libertor. And this is a small sample size, so keep that in mind. But a 0 ERA at home and an 11 ERA on the road. I don't know about you, but I think that there's going to be positive progression on the road. And I think that the 0 at home is going to be going up in recent starts. case in which he's gotten 5 starts. He's allowed 4 home runs in 20 and 2 thirds innings. The walks per nine rate right around four and a half has not been terrific there, but the St. Louis Cardinals do back them up with a lot of guys that are able to give you some length out there in this bullpen. Junior Fernandez is able to give you multiple innings. Jordan Hicks was being utilized as a little bit of a starter. Packy Naughton is able to give you multiple innings, so you've got a lot of guys that they're able to mix and match. You're not going to need Matthew Libertor to even give you, I would say, more than I would say three, maybe four innings if you're lucky, so I think that he's going to be utilized as a little bit of an opener plus. Now, both of these lines Lineups. They're able to go out there. They're able to rip the cover off the balls. You've been able to get great production all season long out of Paul Goldschmidt. 19 home runs with a 340 average entering into what we wound up getting on Wednesday. On top of that, Nolan Arenado, 17 home runs. He's saying nearly a 300. And then down the list, Brendan Donovan, along with Juan Yepes, being about a 280 to a 295. As a duo, you've had Tommy Edmond do a good job with nearly 20 stolen bases. He's hitting a 265. Nolan Gorman has been able to do a nice job moving the line as well. And then for the Atlanta Braves, you've got a whole bunch of guys. They're able to hit home runs for the team, and they're able to get on base as well as Matt Olson, Travis Arno, Austin Riley, in between about a 255 to 260. All three of these guys, a double-digit amount of homers with Austin Riley leading the way with 21 bombs. Eddie Rosario's not back in the fold for the team. Had a cataclysmically bad start to the season, but got to figure that he's going to be able to pick it up. Orlando RC has been able to about a 265 for the team. Ronald Acuna Jr., 380 on base. Michael Harris, the second, has been amazing. And then you've got a raised bullpen that entering into what we wound up seeing on Wednesday. Top bullpen area out there in the National League. 
You've got now Tyler Mazik back in the fold for the team. AJ Minter has been able to give you a sub-2 ERA. Now, Will Smith, I can't believe he's got a 3 ERA. Every time I see him, he's in trouble. But he and Jesse Chavez are veterans that have been able to give you some good innings. So this is a case in which I do think that you're going to see both of these starters wind up having a little bit of a rough go of it. It's been a little bit of a lower scoring series thus far. And I do think that this is going to kick up the scoring. I did wind up saying my total at a 9.6. So I'm going to be looking at an over in this spot. But with the brace, I do feel like they should be a bit of a favorite. Plus 175 or greater, though, was willing to take a shot on a good Cardinals team, though. Going to be taking a look at the cards and going to be taking a look at this total over as we go 9-11, 9-12 on the betting board. The Colorado Rockies at the red face-off against the Arizona Diamondbacks. The betting board has to be determined for the Colorado Rockies had to be determined for the Arizona Diamondbacks. So this is a game that is completely off the board. Right now, as I'm seeing it, Dallas Keuchel is lined up for the Arizona Diamondbacks and Austin Gomber is on the bump for the Colorado Rockies. And we're going to assume Gomber versus Keuchel for the start because this would be actually a rematch of what we wound up seeing on Saturday. Got to think that the question here is, did Dallas Keuchel get DFA'd again because he's been that terrible? And if we do wind up getting Keuchel against Gomber, the Rockies are going to be a minus 117 road favorite, even though the Rockies are absolutely terrible on the road. I mean, it takes a lot for me to fire in on the Colorado Rockies when they are on the road, but I'd be willing to do so against Dallas Keuchel, who's been cataclysmically bad this year. I mean, for Dallas Keuchel, overall, his ERA with the Arizona Diamondbacks is actually worse than it's been all season long. 964 ERA with the Arizona Diamondbacks. 8.27 ERA overall when he went to Coors, and obviously this is at Coors, but five innings pitch, seven runs, six of which were earned, and this guy just can't get strikeouts. He has no command whatsoever either. He's given up right around 1.5 home runs per nine innings to go along with those five walks per nine innings. He gets about six and a half strikeouts per nine innings. There's really no redeeming qualities whatsoever with him. He's got an ERA that... When he's been at home, which most of these home starts were with Chicago, he had an ERA of six there. So, man, there is no trusting in him. Meanwhile, you take a look at Austin Gomber, and not like he's lighting the world on fire. A 653 ERA, 664 home ERA, 642 road ERA. He's given up 13 bombs in 73 innings. The one thing that's working to his advantage is that the Arizona Diamondbacks have actually gotten less power at home than they have on the road. It's a Diamondbacks team that they're averaging right around a home run and a half per game when they're on the road at home. More like .9, which I find to be very strange. You do have David Peralta, Dalton Varsho, both hitting for right around a .250 between 11 and 12 home runs apiece for them. Christian Walker has won team 21 times. He's only hit about a .205, though. And you've got a bunch of guys like Buddy Kennedy, Geraldo Perdomo, throw in there Jose Herrera. These guys have just not been able to get on base. Ketel Marte, been able to about .260 for the team. Alec Thomas has been able to move the line as well for the years and the MFX. You do have a couple guys like Kyle Nelson, Joe Manette-Tipley, who've got some three ERA. Sean Poppin has been solid, but when you wind up getting into the guys like a Mark Melanson, you're able to throw in there someone like J.B. Wendelken, who might be hurt once again because that's what he's good at. I mean, it's just not great. And for the Colorado Rockies, got a bunch of guys that they wind up seeing a big giant fall off in terms of their ERA on the road versus at home. Lucas Gilbreth, for example, two ERA at home, north of a six ERA on the road. Justin Lawrence has not been good out of this bullpen either. Jake Bird is someone who has a sub-2 ERA out there in the bullpen. I do think that there's going to be negative aggression with him. And for the Colorado Rockies, home and road splits for them. Pretty demonstrative as it's a Rockies team that on the road, they're averaging a half home run per game at home. More like 1.3 home runs per game. It's been very stark. Got a bunch of guys that they wind up seeing a fall off of their batting average between 45 and 50 points. CJ Chrome, for example, he's got 20 home runs. 
thus far this season, but you take a look at what he's been able to do on the road thus far this season. He sees a batting average fall off of nearly 100 points and just 5 out of those 20 home runs have wound up coming on the road. Brendan Rodgers has 8 home runs this year. All of them have wound up coming on the home surface of Coors Field as well, but that said, you also do have Chris Bryant now back in fold. He's been able to give this team a nice little breath of life. I do like what I've been able to see whenever he's been out there from Randall Gritchick as well, so this would be a nice big old fade Dallas Keuchel spot for the Colorado Rockies. Want to set them as a minus 117 if you do wind up getting Austin Gomber against Dallas Keuchel, and it's a total in which a 9.5 or less, I'd be looking at an over 10 or higher to the under. As we go 9.13, 9.14 on the betting board, it is the San Francisco Giants. They hit the road, they're facing off against the San Diego Padres. Joe Musgrove is going to be on the bump for the pods, and Logan Webb is going to be on the bump for San Francisco. San Francisco find themselves as an underdog anywhere between plus 115 and plus 122. Meanwhile, if you're looking at the pods, it's anywhere between minus 120 and minus 145. This number is all over the place right now. Between 6.5 and 7 is your total on the 7. Under is minus 120. The over is even on the 6.5. Over is minus 115. And the under is minus 105. I wound up saying my total at a 6.4. So I'm going to be taking a look at the under with the San Francisco Giants. They just don't have the same firepower that they wound up having last season. Jock Peterson has been terrific of being able to go yard for the team as he's got 17 home runs. He's been able to nearly a 270 for the team. But aside from Jock Peterson, you don't have a single guy on this roster and has been able to give you a double-digit amount of homers. Now, you got quite a few guys in Wilmer Flores, Mikey Stramski, along with Evan Gregoria, and be able to give you between 8 and 9 home runs, and all three of these guys in between about a 235 to 245, and that's really what you've got a lot of this season, as Tommy Lestella, along with Thario Estrada, Austin Slater, Luke Williams, are all in between about a 250 to 255, but you really haven't had guys emerge for the team, and then with the San Francisco Giants, the bullpen that was so good last season. They were number one in the league in terms of bullpen. Right? It's experience of fall. If you do have Camilo Duvall, Jarlin Garcia, Lock Dominique Leon, all posting up an ERA of a 3-1-0 or greater. And Tyler Rogers it's looked a little bit better recently, but Jose Alvarez has not been good for the team. Jake McGee has been absolutely horrible himself, so it's been a little bit rough to take a look at. Meanwhile, for the San Diego Padres, it's been an up-and-down bullpen. Craig Salmon has been able to do a solid job. He's been able to give you an ERA that hovers right in the neighborhood about a 3-2, and Taylor Rogers is one of the top five guys in terms of saves in the MLB as well. Luis Garcia has been a little bit up and down, but he's starting to find it as well. Nabal Crisman has been a good multi-inning guy, but we've also got a few guys that have been a little bit less than trustworthy, like a Ray Kerr that they've had to give a few innings for. Nick Martinez has been turned into a little bit of a piggybacking long guy as well. And for the San Diego Padres, just not a lineup that necessarily has a bunch of guys that are able to get on base in general. Manny Machado has really been the table setter for this team. 12 home runs, hitting at 316. And then you do have a few guys like Eric Hosmer, Jorge Alfaro, hitting in the neighborhood about a 275. No Mazzara, starting to get some at-bats. He's been solid, but you need more out of more of the ancillary pieces. As Awesome Kim, along with Austin Nola, Luke Voigt, these guys are in between about a 230 to a 235. Whenever Will Myers has been out there, as he's been injured for quite a while, he wasn't doing a lot for them. Jerickson Profar, Jay Cronenworth, both get on base for right around a 335-ish on base, but both of these guys hitting right around about a 245. Neither of these guys have necessarily been able to give you a lot of homers either. So you got positives and negatives here. And with Logan Webb, he's always pitched better at home than he has on the road. Overall, 313 ERA, but his ERA raises by a little bit more than a full point when he is on the road. And on the road, he's given up all six of his home runs thus far this season now. Good news is Petco Park, and it is very much a pitcher-friendly ballpark, but you also take a look at Joe Musgrove, and 
he has been very good for this team. He's made 14 starts in 12 of them. He has went six plus innings with two runs or fewer surrendered and he has went six plus innings in every one of his starts this season, which that takes the bullpen on the fold a little bit more, giving up less than home run per nine innings, strikeouts per nine rate. That is right at nine. He's given up right around 1.85 walks per nine, so he's been able to do a nice job of staying in control and actually has a little bit of higher home ERA rather than a road ERA 261 home ERA compared to a two on the road, so I do find that to be a little bit intriguing, but that said, I do think that the Padres should be able to get the job done in this one. I don't want to run line because I think that this is going to be a super low scoring game. I think that Logan Webb is going to be solid. I think that Joe Musgrove is going to be solid as well, but the Padres just feels like top to bottom, they're a little bit more of the complete team in this spot. I'm going to lay up to a minus 145 here with the Padres, so looking at that, wind up saying my drill is 6.4 as well, so looking under as well, 915-916 on the betting board. The LA Dodgers are going to be playing those Chicago Cubs. Mark Leiter Jr. is going to be going for the Cubs, and Tony Gonsolin is on the bump for the Dodgers. The Dodgers, sizable favorites. Any more team, minus 260 and minus 278. And if you're taking a look at the Cubs, you're going to be getting them anywhere between plus 222 and plus 237. Your total on scheme is 8. Over is minus 120. The under is even. And for the Dodgers, I set them as a minus 288 favorite in this spot. If you take a look at the run line of the Dodgers, you're finding that at a minus 130, and I'm willing to lay it with the Dodgers. Going into what we wound up seeing on Wednesday, they had won all but four of their games by multiple runs. Out of 51 wins, 47 of them had been by two plus. So I do think that there is great value with taking the run line of them because if you've bet the LA Dodgers on the run line and you've laid, let's say, about a minus 110 on the run line as an average price, which I think is a relatively good price, you're probably actually getting a little bit more of a plus price with them, but and said we're going to assume minus 110. You're up over $1,000 if you bet the run line for 100 bucks every single time. Meanwhile, if you bet them on the money line for $100 in every one of their games, you're down north of $600. So, big, stark difference between run line and money line. And Tony Gonsolin, he is the first pitcher since 1913 to wind up starting a season 10-0 while giving up 50 hits or fewer in that time span. This guy's been absolute magic. Now, with that said, he is going to see a raise in the opponent's batting average on him. I mean, opponent's starting a buck 24 off of a man home. He's got a 0 ERA. This is something that it can only go southward from here, but been an absolutely remarkable season from he's been able to lock in on the walks last year at five and a half walks per nine innings thus far this season more like 2.5 walks per nine innings and for mark Leiter jr when he wound up getting starts this year it did not wind up going well for him as he wound up making three starts and his era as a starter was north of a nine as a long guy he's actually been able to do an okay job but most of his good performances have come at home 295 home era 794 era on the road he's given up three home runs Thus far this season in 29 and two-thirds innings, but the problem is he just winds up giving up a lot of walks in general as he's given up right around four and a half walks per nine innings. Has been able to get some good swing and miss stuff, but he's going up against an L.A. Dodgers team that is very fearsome in terms of their lineup. As you got Mookie Betts now back the fold, he's been able to give the team 18 home runs, hitting at 275. Trey Turner, Freddie Freeman, both of these guys are hitting a 300 for the bunch as well. And Justin Turner, after he wound up having a really bad start to the season, all of a sudden he's been able to pick it up over the last 30 days, hitting at 285, and in the last 15 days, nearly a 400. So He's been able to find it. Cody Bellinger, he's just completely lost at the plate. Austin Barnes has not been able to do a lot of long Max Muncy, but 
You've got a bunch of struggling bats for the Dodgers that are starting to pick it up, and the guys that have been constants may remain constants. For the Chicago Cubs, are riding high after they were able to take down the Milwaukee Brewers in a pair of games, so it helps them out a little bit, but you do have your concerns with regards to this Cubs bullpen over the last 30 days. They've had the second-worst bullpen area out there in the big leagues at north of a 5-5, and overall for the season, it just has not been going well for guys like Rowan Wick, Scott Efforts. First 45 days of the season, these guys were terrific. Ever since then, they have seen big rises in their ERA day. David Robertson, really the one guy that you can trust in on this bullpen. He's got a buck 90 ERA he wound up throwing yesterday. Chris Martin, Brandon Hughes, Michael Givens, all these guys have right around a 325 to a 390 ERA. And for the Cubs, you do have guys that are able to get on base. Christopher Morrell, Ian App, you're able to throw in their, their young guy in Nelson Velasquez. They're hitting between about a 270 to a 280 half as a 380 on base. You've had Wilson Contreras do a nice job for the team. He's been in and out of the fold last few days, but a double-digit amount of farmers, nearly a 400 on base. And for Patrick Wisdom, he has been able to supply quite a bit of boom. 17 home runs. He's also on pace to strike out well over 200 times this season. And Nico Horner hitting a 300 as well, but for the Dodgers, Spend more of the guys that you don't know a ton about that be able to do a nice job out there in the bullpen. Evan Phillips has been able to give you a sub-2 ERA along with someone like a Yancey Almonte. While Craig Kimbrell has been a hot mess with north of a 4 ERA, Broussard O'Greiderall has been a little bit up and down. They're looking to Caleb Ferguson for some innings, and he's been relatively okay in the small sample size that he's had. Alex Vesia has been able to do a nice job as well. So I do think that Tony Gonsolin is going to continue to just have the great start to the season that he's had, and Mark Leiter Jr., as he's done in his starts this far this season, I think that he's given up quite a few runs. I did wind up saying my total at an 8.2, so here at an 8, looking at an over. I'm with the Dodgers. I'm laying the run line. I don't want any part of the Dodgers' money line at this point with the way that they've either just lost outright or they've won by two plus runs. So we're laying the run line and I'm going to be taking a look at this total over 917-918 on the betting board. The Kansas City Royals. They throw it face off against the Houston Astros as Justin Verlander is going to be going for the Astros and Chris with the K Boobich. He's going to be on the bump for the Royals. Royals are finding themselves as a big underdog here. You're going to be getting them anywhere between a plus 245 to a plus 285. Meanwhile, if you're looking at the Astros, I am finding them as high as a minus 330 right now, as low as a minus 295. 8.5 to 8 is your total on the 8. The over is minus 115. The under is minus 105. On the 8.5, the under is minus 120, and the over is even. And I did want to saying the total at 7.7. The Houston Astros have been your top under team in baseball thus far this season, and Jesse Verlander has been nothing short of absolutely incredible. A 2.03 ERA, giving up right around one home run per nine innings, 1.5-ish walks. Per nine, the strikeout numbers aren't necessarily supreme with him. Right around eight and a half strikeouts per nine innings. He's now 39 years old, but still has been able to perform really well. 248 home ERA to a buck 77 road ERA. I do think it's a little bit intriguing, but I just take a look at the way that Justin Verlander is performing right now, and he is going to be able to sign me a bunch of Kansas City Royals bats that you don't have a lot of guys that are necessarily too consistent for the team right now. Got one guy in the fold of Bobby Wood Jr. that is a double-digit amount of formers with the Salvador Perez injury, and even he wound up missing the game yesterday. You do have a couple guys like an Ed Olivares, Michael A. Taylor, and be able to get on base for you, along with Andrew Benatendi, who's hitting a 313. But take a look at some of these guys, like a Nicky Lopez, Emmanuel Rivera. You're able to throw in there. There are young guy Vinny Pasquinto, and they're all hitting like a 230 or lower. MJ Melendez hitting a 225. That's been rough. And for the Houston Astros, they're dealing with a little bit of an injury to Jose Altuve. I'm not sure necessarily 
what that is, but he wound up missing the game yesterday, but you still have out there Jordan Alvarez, 25 home runs, hitting at 313 for the team. Jeremy Pena has been able to hit 275, launch Jake Myers. Pena has been able to give you 12 home runs. Kyle Tucker has won deep 16 times. He's hitting at 260 and for the Astros. It's been one of the best bullpens out there in the big leagues. Zay and the New York Yankees, 1-2 in terms of bullpen here. Now, I do think that there's going to be a little bit of regression with some of these guys as Rafael Montero currently posting up a sub-2 ERA. Seth Martinez and Ryan Stanek have sub-1 ERAs as far, but you've been able I have Ryan Presley have a 3-5 ERA and I honestly think that he's going to be able to do a little bit better moving forward and for the Kansas City Royals this is a bullpen that their ERA as a collective it is one of the worst out there in the American League Amir Garrett I have no idea why anyone wanted any part of him but he's got north of a 6 ERA and has been bad for Colin Snyder whenever he's out there I believe that he's going to be unavailable for this game Scott Barlow is starting to see regression in terms of his bullpen ERA Jose Cuas has actually been relatively solid for the scene but Jackson Core, you're looking to him for some innings, and that has not necessarily been too terrific. And Chris with the K. Boobich already has had two starts thus far this season, in which he has not been able to make it out of the first inning. He has one and eight with a 7.06 ERA. He's given up one and a half home runs per nine innings. I mean, you just take a look across the board. He's doing bad against lefties. He's doing bad against righties. 7.77 home ERA, road ERA of a 6.16. He's not doing a great job in terms of command either, as his box per nine rate is above five. So. There's really not much to speak of here. He should be, rightfully, a big giant underdog. It's very rare that I wind up setting anyone as a $3 underdog. I wound up doing it here with the Kansas City Royals. I was willing to lay up to a 306 on the money line of the Houston Astros. When it comes to the run line of the Houston Astros, we're right now finding it in between about a minus 140 to a minus 150. I personally am willing to lay up to a minus 155 in terms of this run line of the Houston Astros. So I'm going to be taking a look at the Houston Astros in this spot, laying around an F, and I am going to be taking a look at this total under as well as I wound up saying it at 7.7, 919, on the betting board. The Baltimore Orioles, they are going to be playing us to the LA Angels. Chase Silseth is going to be going for the Angels, and Jordan Lyles is on the bump for Baltimore. Baltimore is finding themselves as a little bit of an underdog here. They are finding themselves plus 110, minus 130 is your price on the Angels. 8.5 is your total. The over is minus 115, and the under is minus 105. Currently, only DraftKings has a lineup on this one, and if this is what we're going to be getting, I'll be taking a look at the Baltimore Orioles, as I felt like they should be a very slight favorite here. For Jordan Lyles, he's been able to do such a better job of being able to keep the ball in the yard when he's at home rather than on the road as well as Take a look at Jordan Lyles as far as the season. ERA, certainly not great at a 470, but he's been a little bit of an innings eater for the team, and he's got a 292 home ERA compared to a 589 ERA on the road with all 12 of his home runs surrendered coming away from home. He has not allowed a single home run in 37 innings at home. Now, I do expect a little bit of regression with this, but you do take a look at the flip side for the LA Angels and with Silseth. He's gotten a couple starts thus far this season, was actually pitching for Arizona right around this time last season in college baseball and just a guy that I think needs a little bit more development in general. You take a look at his five MLB starts and his walks for nine race right around three. Actually has decent swing and miss stuff but what I noticed from him while he was at the minor league level he's, he did have a little bit of a tough time with command and that doesn't necessarily bear out in the walks but bears out in the home runs. Has given up five home runs in 20 and two-thirds innings so again an issue there after the team was able to win his first start against the Oakland A's. They wanted going 0-4 in his subsequent next four starts as well so the Angels have not necessarily had a lot 
lot of success when he's been on the mound. Now, for the Angels, this is a still talented lineup that has fallen on some tough times. They were able to get five runs on the board yesterday, but you got to figure that these guys are going to be able to figure it out. Mike Trout still hitting at 270 despite the funk that he's been in. He's still been able to give you 20-plus home runs. You've got Shoei Otani, who's been able to do a nice job. He, along Jared Walsh, both hitting between about a... 262 to 270, and for Shoy Otani has been doing an absolutely incredible job with the bat as he's been able to provide right around 18 19 home runs thus far this season. Taylor Ward hitting a 300 when he's not calling for the ball while he's trying to be on first base. He's able to do a relatively solid job, but for the Angels, the big thing with this team is the bullpen has not been great. Rossi Oglacies, Ryan Tabera, Aaron Loop, your 7th through ninth inning guys, and two of which wound up getting used up yesterday. They've got an ERA that is a 368 or higher. It's really been guys like Jose Cuijada and company. And I'm able to do a solid job for this team. Over Ortega is actually giving you some okay innings. And then on the flip side for the Baltimore Orioles, this is a top six bullpen in terms of ERA. You've got pretty much four different guys. Then I'll be able to give you an ERA of a 225 or lower in CNL Perez, Orde Lopez, Felix Bautista, and then you're able to throw in there as well. Dylan Tate, who's been falling on a few tough times recently, but even Keegan Aiken, the long guy, he's been able to give you right around 240 ERA as well. And when it comes to this Orioles lineup, you do have guys who are able to get on base for you. Trey Boom Boom Mancini, along with Austin the Say's kid throwing the Ryan Mount Castle. These guys are hitting in the neighborhood about a 272, 280. And the way that you've been able to have Cedric Bones come on recently has been big. He got off to a really bad start to the season, but now he's a 265 overall for the season. And in the last 15 days, hitting a 360, last 30 days, 333. So he's starting to hit his stride. Ryan McKenna's actually been able to give this team some solid at-bats. And you've got Anthony Santander, who's been able to give you 15 home runs. So it's an Orioles lineup that it's far from terrific, but at the same time, it's functional enough to be able to get it done against an Angels team that they don't necessarily have a trustworthy starter and a bullpen that has really been lacking. So I did wind up setting the Orioles as a little bit of a favorite. I'm going to be willing to lay it here. And in terms of this total, did wind up setting my total on this game at an 8.9. So taking a look at an 8 to an 8.5, I'd be looking at an over to go along with the Orioles. 921-922 on the main board, the New York Yankees. They throw it to face off against the Boston Red Sox. Says you got Josh Winkowski going for the Sox and Garrett Cole is on the bump for the Yankees. The Yankees are finding themselves between minus 152 and minus 165 favorites. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Bow Sox, anywhere between plus 135 and plus 150 is your price, and your total, it is 8.5. The over is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 125. Under is anywhere between minus 110 and plus 105. I did wind up saying this total at an 8.7. I do think that the Boston Red Sox are going to be able to generate a few runs against. Garrett Cole's really been one of the worst starters for the New York Yankees this year. I know that that might sound a little bit blasphemous to say, but for Garrett Cole thus far this season, it's been a little bit up and down. 299 ERA. He's given up right around 1.2-ish home runs per nine innings. His walks per nine rate has been solid. He's given up right around two and a half walks per nine innings. And take a look at him recently. Two runs are fewer surrendered in five out of his last six starts, but he has struggled a little bit on the road. 380 road ERA in his eight road starts has given up eight home runs. And his walks per nine rate on the road winds up going up quite significantly. Nearly four walks per nine innings. Meanwhile, for Josh Winkowski, this is going to be start number six for him. And it's been rock solid in his most recent and feed starts. Gave up four runs in his MLB debut. Ever since then, he has given up six total runs, five of which were earned. Now, this was not against the world's greatest competition, going up against the Cubs, Guardians, Detroit Tigers, and Oakland A's. That's a little bit of easy street, but he's given up just one home run and seven walks in 26 innings, so he's done a nice job of not being able to beat himself. Now, for the Boston Red Sox, bullpen is going through some issues, and Ansel Robles was so 
bad that he wound up getting DFA'd, but you have been able to get some good innings out of someone like a Tyler Danish, who has been regressing a little bit, but still has been able to go out there, give you a relatively solid effort. Jake Diekman, Eric Kautzis-Sadomona, both have a sub-3 ERA, John Schreiber and Austin Davis have been able to provide as well, and this is a Yankees team that they and the Houston Astros, top two teams in terms of bullpen ERA. Albert Abreu has been able to actually give this team some relatively solid innings. Michael King has been a nice long guy. Clay Holmes, a 0-50 ERA. Wani Peralta, time and time again, has been able to shove. And then for the New York Yankees, you know what you're able to get out of this lineup. You've got a pair of guys in Aaron Judge along with Anthony Rizzo that have been able to provide thus far this season 50 home runs. That's more than the entire Detroit Tigers lineup has. And then you've got a lot of guys that are able to get on base that are able to turn these solo home runs into two to three run shots. Gleyber Torres, DJ Turner it up, LeMayu, Jose Trevino, Isaiah Kinner falefa These guys are in between about a 255 to 265. Now, Joey Gallo, even though he wound up going deep yesterday, he's a little bit lost in the shuffle, but really a long, weak link for the team. And for Boston, you've got plenty of you guys that are able to get on base for this team as well. As with the call up of Jaron Duran, you pretty much got a quartet of guys at the top that do a nice job of being able to set the table. As you've got Duran, JD Martinez, along with Rafael Devers, who's been out of the fold the last few days, and Sander Bogarts, all in at least a 310 for this bunch. Christian Vasquez, he's been able to hit right around a 290 for this bunch. Ferranchi Cordero, he's been able to come along as well. Could use a little bit more out of Trevor's story. I do recognize that he's got 50 plus RBI, but in a 225 hasn't necessarily been able to draw a lot of walks this season. But I do think that the Red Sox should be a bit of a sizable underdog in this spot. The Yankees they really got them outgunned in a lot of different circumstances and I mean the rivalry is very meaningful but if you're looking at this Yankees run line right now you're finding it in a lot of places right around an even money-ish price. I'm willing to lay up to a minus 105 with the Yankees run line. Seeing what I'm seeing right now I would honestly rather have the minus 152 money line rather than the run line at even money. If this winds up getting up to north of minus 160 then I would rather have an even money run line but if I'm able to get, I would say my line of demarcation here on the money line would be minus 155. I would rather have that added protection here just because it is Yankees versus Red Sox. So that's where I'm looking there. I'd be looking with current numbers at the minus 152 run money line rather than the run line and with the total set mine at 8.7. So I'm looking at it over. Here's the DK Nation pick on this one. 923-924 on the bank board. The Detroit Tigers, they have the red face off against the Chicago White Sox. It's Dylan Cease going to be going for the Sox and Bo Brisky is going to be on the bump for Detroit. Detroit is finding themselves as Sizable underdogs, anywhere between plus 205 and plus 215. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the White Sox, you're going to be getting them anywhere between minus 230 and minus 250. 8.5 is your total. The under is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. The over is anywhere between even a minus 110, seeing a straight 8 out there as well. That over is minus 120, and the under is even. Whether you've got an 8 or an 8.5, I like the total under. I set it at a 7.2. you got a Detroit Tigers team that's averaging 2.6 runs per game. On the road thus far this season, that is by far the most deplorable number out there in the big leagues. And I do recognize that the Detroit Tigers were able to actually bust out with a little bit of offense. They were able to score eight runs yesterday on the Cleveland Guardians, but just a team that in general, they're not generating any power whatsoever. I believe that they've got 45 home runs overall for the season. They've got 47 losses, so they've got more losses than home runs thus far this season. And just all throughout the lineup, Robbie Grossman, Javi Baez, Jonathan Scope, Jameer Candelario, Spencer Torkelson, Cody Clements, all these guys are in a 215 or lower. And it's been a really sad state of affairs. Miguel Cabrera is hitting a 300, but you don't have a single player on this team that's more than seven home runs right now. And they have to go up against Dylan Cease, who has been just absolutely amazing with the swing and miss stuff that he's been able to provide. A little bit over 12 punch outs per nine innings. Uh, did wind up having a couple of rough home starts thus far this season, but still, a 251 ERA. He has been giving out a couple 
couple too many walks, right around 4.2 walks per nine innings, but he's been able to keep the ball in the yard, 0.7 home runs per nine innings. Last time he wanted facing off against the Detroit Tigers, wanted going five innings, gave up an unearned run along the way, and that was a 5-1 to one win for this team. And for the Chicago White Sox, whenever he winds up showing the rubber, typically good things wind up happening, aside from he wind up taking the under and him against the Toronto Blue Jays, where the game winds up going to 12 innings and the game winds up going over. But for the White Sox, we'll give credit where credit is due. This is a lineup that has been able to bust out in their right as well. Jose Abreu, over the last three days, is hitting north of a 340 overall for the year, right around a 290 for he, Luis Robert, and then Andrew Vaughn is hitting more like a 300. Tim Anderson has been in a little bit of a funk recently, but still hitting overall about a 315. Has been walking just a tad bit more this year as well. AJ Pollock has really regressed. You do have guys like Gavin Sheets, Lurie Garcia, that they haven't been able to provide much for this lineup. And right now, Jose Abreu, the only guy on the team that has more than 10 home runs. And for the White Sox, righty and lefty splits are very big. They had nearly 40 points better against left-handed pitching rather than right-handed pitching. And for Bo Brisky, he hasn't been anything special. He has been giving up right around 1.7 home runs per nine innings, but he's just a guy that winds up going out there and he does a relatively okay job of being able to hold down the fort. He has given up three runs or fewer, and now out of his 13 starts, 10 of them, so he's been relatively okay, and he's backed up by a bullpen that has actually been really magnificent for the Detroit Tigers. They're in the top six in the big leagues in terms of bullpen ERA, and you do have guys who are able to eat innings for this team, as you've got Michael Fulmer along with Willie Peralta, a pair of failed starters that as far as this season, they've been able to post up ERAs that are hovering right in the neighborhood of two. Alex Lang has been able to give you some good innings. Gregory Soto is a lights out closer. That is right around a 250 ERA. Will has had a little bit of a rough COVID in recent weeks, but even Tyler Alexander, if you need a little bit of length, he's able to provide that as well. Now for the White Sox, bullpen has been brutal this year in their bottom half of the big leagues in terms of ERA, but now they've got back in the fold Liam Hendricks. If they're in a one or two run game, you're able to rely upon him. They did wind up having to use up Kendall Graveman yesterday, and guys like Rinaldo Lopez were failed starters have been okay for this bullpen. Certainly better than guys like a Joe Kelly or even like a Tanner Banks. Banks, he's got right around about a 320 ERA, but I don't have a lot of faith in him, but I do think that Cease is going to go out, have a very good performance against the Tigers team that have been one of the best to the under all season long. They and the Houston Astros hitting more than 60% of their games under the total. I think that that trend is going to be continuing here. The question is, do the White Sox wind up being able to score enough runs to be able to cover this run line? Right now, you're finding the run line, and we're between a minus 115 to a minus 125. I'm willing to lay a minus 128 on it. For the Tigers, I would need a plus 240 to be able to take a shot here. There's just no taking this Tigers run line unless we wind up seeing a quantum move. So, I'm going to be looking at the White Sox on the run line, but the DK Nation pick, I would not give you something that chalky. Instead, we're going to be looking at the total under with the write-up. And we wrap things up with 925-926 on the banging board. The Toronto Blue Jays hit the road. They're going to be facing off against the Seattle Mariners. One Monaco Gonzalez is going to be going for the Seattle Mariners. Good old to be determined is going to be on the bump for the Blue Jays. So this is a game that is presently off the board. It was looking like it was going to be Kevin Gosman, but Gosman wound up dealing with a little bit of a comebacker in his last third. And if it would have been Kevin Gosman, I would have probably been setting him right around about a minus 170 favorite. But the last time the Blue Jays wound up having to go with sort of a spot start, it was Thomas Hatch. If it winds up being Thomas Hatch again, I would take the Blue Jays from the minus 172 in which I want to make in Kevin Gosman. And I would make the Mariners a favorite because he's just absolutely terrible. There's no giving him a start in this spot. 
you got to feel like if he's available and if he's not hurt, Anthony K maybe, who was a part of that Marcus Stroman deal a few years ago. I know that there have been a couple people that have been calling for Max Castillo, and if Max Castillo gets a start, I'd be willing to make the Blue Jays a little bit of a favorite here. More in that neighborhood, about minus 120-ish, but this is right now a big old TBD, and with the Blue Jays, if it winds up being a bullpen game, this is going to be at best a pick for them, because they wind up struggling against the Oakland A's, and this is just not a good bullpen whatsoever for the Blue Jays. Fortunately, they were actually able to get a couple halfway decent starts the last few days. You say Kikuchi did not provide one, but Jose Barrios was able to do so. And for Tim Mesa, David Phelps, both of these guys have a three ERA or better out there in the bullpen. And Adam Simber's been able to pick it up as well. But Trevor Richards, one of your longer guys, he's got north of a six ERA whenever they've called upon someone like a Jeremy Beasley. He's been absolutely terrible. Julian Merriweather, whenever he's gotten opportunities, it has not been too amazing. What you do have with this Blue Jays team is a lineup that I think is going to start to wind up hitting once again. They wound up scoring a grand total of six runs out there in Oakland, but that's that Oakland is one of the toughest places hit in the big leagues. I think that they are going to be able to pick it up. Boba Shett, George Springer, along Viagra Jr., in between a 255 to a 265 at the top of the full for Bichette. He's been able to give you 13 home runs. Viagra Jr. is up to 19. Alejandro Kirk North of a 400 on base. And then even Lourdes Gurriel, hitting a 290 for the team to Oscar Hernandez over the last three days. He's been hitting right in the neighborhood about a 300. And then for the Seattle Mariners, they've been dealing with some injuries as well. Ty France being out of the full, that does wind up hurting them a little bit. But Julio Rodriguez, he's really been able to put together a nice season. He along J.P. Crawford hitting in the neighborhood about a 267 to a 277 combined for Rodriguez. 15 home runs that leads away. And Eugenio Suarez, 330 on base, so he's been relatively solid there. They are dealing with a couple of suspensions as Jesse Winker. He is currently out of the fold for the team, but Jesse Winker wasn't necessarily doing a ton for the team. Guys like Cal Raleigh, Abraham Toro, Dylan Moore at the bottom of the fold. These guys are in below the middle line of 200. Whenever Taylor Trammell's been out there, he's been relatively okay, but he's dealing with a little bit of ailment as well. And for the Mariners, to my surprise, they're actually number two in the big leagues in terms of bullpen ERA over the last three days. They wound up having a really bad bullpen to begin the season. Ken Giles has come in. He's looked relatively solid. Diego Casio after a really bad start to the year. He's got a sub-250 ERA over the last three days. Penn Murphy has been able to give you a sub-2 ERA, and then when it comes to Marco Gonzalez, if he could just keep the ball in the yard, that would be big. He's got a 329 ERA, despite the fact that he's given up right around 1.5 home runs per nine innings, and for Marco Gonzalez, never been too much of a swing of this guy. 5.1 strikeouts per nine innings, while he's giving up nearly 3.3 walks per nine, but somehow, someway, he has given up two runs or fewer in each out of his last five starts, and he has given up three runs or fewer, and now I believe he is up to 12 out of his last 13 starts, which is absolutely ridiculous how he's doing it. I honestly don't know how, but he has been able to do a pretty rock-solid job for the team. So if it winds up being back to Castillo for the Blue Jays, I'd be setting them right around about a minus 120 or Obviously, with Kevin Gosman, he was going to be a minus 170. And if you wind up getting Thomas Hatch again, there's no taking Thomas Hatch. But when it was supposed to be Gosman versus Gonzalez, and either or less, I was looking at an over 8.5 prior to the under if it winds up being someone like a Castillo slash a bullpen game. I could see this being more like an 8.5 or less to the over, a 9 or higher to the under. But that's where I'm looking there. And that will wrap things up for the Thursday edition of the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. A big thanks to Rena Wong, doing a great job over there at Twins Daily. She joined me in the last segment. If you do like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, the Baseball Betting Show, you're able to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you've got a question, comment, segment, idea, whatever you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways we offer those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at unit underscore one. Keep in mind, letters EM. Maybe it does not matter, so as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. Otherwise, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated from there. You're able to find whatever you'd like here on this podcast. Find that five-star review coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season, which means I'll be coming at you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in.
Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network. Work.